Hello and welcome to Cannon Cockerel. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And we're recording this one week after Arsenal's Europa League semi-final exit. Uh, Jason, have you have you recovered yet? And do you maybe want to tell the listeners about the, the video you sent me at, at full time? Because I think it, it symbolises not just Arsenal's season, but uh, Tottenham's as well. Well, I'm glad we didn't do it that time ago that, that the podcast because I would have been fuming and I'm st- I think I'm even more annoyed now and, and we'll go into the reasons why but I'm it, it was just pathetic like I think I had taken it for granted that we were definitely getting I think all Arsenal fans were, were definitely getting to the final that Arteta would find a way like he does against the big teams to win that final and get us back to the Champions League it was our ticket out of the mess that's been created since Wenger left um and the worst thing to top it off is that Unai Emery beat us with the most tactically rubbish team, rubbish talent. It was just we didn't turn up to the races. And unfortunately, I mean, I remember saying to you it's Arteta, Europa or bust. But apparently it's not for the board because he's still in the job disgracefully and looks like he's going to back him with the summer with 100 million or so to spend. And... Uh, Let's be honest, he's being sacked by November, so it'll be another wasted year. And that's the frustration, that there's no, you know, no plan B clearly at the club. They seem to almost, almost like, for his ego, they want him to try and get in seventh place now. So you can say, oh, well, I, I wasn't the manager to lead Arsenal out of Europe. I still got Europe. Look at me, I got all the young players playing. Well, no, Arteta, you didn't. You had all the senior players injured or rubbish form. You had to fell upon Smith Rowe, who happens to be your best player now. You still don't play Martinelli. I mean, it's it, it's it's got to a point now where I think I think I, I said to my dad the other day. I said I'm doing the podcast with Michael, and I said it's strange because I when if I'd done it last week, it would have been anger, and now it's just apathy. I can't remember who it was, but there's a quote from someone. They said, well, it's the worst feeling in football is apathy. You want that kind of sadness and frustration because at least it makes you feel like you care. But the apathy makes you think, what's the point? And at this rate, I'm just thinking about the Euros and putting my Harry Kane hat on and celebrating, hopefully, a, a Euros uh, success. I mean, that's where, that's where my head's at. Um, in terms of the video I sent, so... Um, I've had for years. I must have bought it as like a basket filler when I was at the Armoury, the Emirates store once. And um, it's a little club crest thing, hang up on my door. And it has kind of the synergy of the Champions League logo and the Arsenal logo with the, you know, the bright lights, the stadium lighting up, the little tassels at the bottom. And a full time I videoed, I, I picked it up and I dropped it in the bin. Whether it's still in the bin now, and whether that was just to cause a reaction, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, but the sentiment's certainly there that uh, I feel like, well, our Champions League dreams this season are definitely in tatters. Um, but it almost feels like that was our chance of getting back to the promised land um, quicker and easier. And now it's going to be damn hard because if we're not in the Europa League to have that chance. And I don't think this squad and this manager can get us back to fourth place at least next year i'd love to be um proved wrong on that um but no i mean there's seriously big problems with arsenal and again we'll go on to it but the athletic are reporting that six of the senior players or so want out 
Um, I also want them out. I'm happy to drive them anywhere they want. Um, and it's just, I was watching Villa Everton just finish before Martinez made another save and they said something like, uh, Martinez doing it again, it's fine for him. And I thought, don't rub it in. <laughs> I mean, my dad again just said to me, uh, you, were, you were right about Martinez. Everyone said to me, don't be ridiculous. Leno's a great keeper. Martinez, whatever, sell him. I was right. I was absolutely right. Arteta sold the one keeper he had that could play out the back, that started the style that made him a successful manager last um, last season with his FA Cup win. Um, and now look. And he got rid of Maitland-Niles on loan to a relegated team. I mean, it was the most bizarre loan move ever. The most versatile player. Someone who had legs in midfield, who was on form, who kind of worked to his plan. Um it's a disaster, top to bottom. Um, you know, a few weeks ago we were saying, oh, we'd rather be in our position than Spurs. I still kind of do believe that because I don't think they're going to get Champions League. I couldn't care less if they got Europa League or Europa Conference. They've got a subpar amateur manager. They're about to get the rubbish Inzaghi brothers <laughs> as their manager. They're going to lose their biggest players. And I, I said to you, I think it was you I said to you the other day, it's wor- or maybe it's my friend Jack, I, I was saying it's worse for Spurs having a more success, unsuccessful season because we have nothing to lose. I don't care if we lose our best players. They're not even good. You guys, you have a bad season. You're losing good players and, and the future um, you've built for. So, yeah, I guess it's a perfect time to throw it back to you and, you know, um, see whether you're any more happy than me, to be honest. Well, the um, chucking your Arsenal Champions League thing in the bin, I think, as I said, it, it symbolises Tottenham's Champions League hopes as well, which I think are in the bin after that defeat to Leeds. Obviously, we weren't relying on the Europa League anymore after we went out to to Zagreb all those months ago. I don't know how many months ago it was, but it feels like a long time ago now. Uh, So for us, it was all about the league and whatever slim chance we had of finishing the top four relied upon us winning all our remaining games. So losing to Leeds, I think, is the final nail in the coffin as far as top four goes. Europa League is still possible. Obviously, there's the Europa Conference League, which I don't think anyone really wants to qualify for. But it seems like that's what our two clubs are battling for now, that seventh place. Um, And I think really it just showed how far we'd fallen in a way, that Leeds game. Because Leeds were everything we used to be under Pochettino, which shouldn't be a surprise given that Bielsa, of course, is kind of Poch's sort of idol and and mentor because they they were fast, aggressive. Obviously, we know how they play with the high press. They were organised. They were fitter, they were more motivated. And you kind of expect there to be a gulf between Ryan Mason and Bielsa. You know, you probably can't get more of a bigger contrast in in experience in the Premier League between those two. So it wasn't a surprise that we were kind of outfought tactically. But what you don't want to see is is to be outfought and outworked. And and we were. And to be fair, We've played a, a ridiculous number of matches this season. We had to go through all of the Europa League qualifying rounds. I think we played like over 50 games. Hoiberg has played pretty much all of them. So you maybe expect at this stage of the season a bit of legginess, but there were some basics just in terms of attitude. And it was once again one of those performances that made you realise that we need a bit of a shift out the deadwood, have a bit of a cultural reset almost at the club, go back to having younger hungrier players who don't have as big egos who are going to work for the team and and create that kind of atmosphere uh 
like Leeds have got because you know on paper n- none of those Leeds players would get into the Tottenham team but they work harder they're better organized and, and collectively as a team they're greater than some of their parts and and that goes back to the manager and Bielsa who I know it's a bit of a cliche in a way and, and people say well what's he won but you look at Leeds and you almost forget that they're in their first season in in, in the Premier League the way they've and continue to play their style as well they haven't changed their game they've played football their way and and I think particularly at Ellen Road they've against the top six I think they're they're undefeated so I mean credit to them and what they've done this season they could well finish above Arsenal maybe even finish above us at this rate Um, and it's a sign I think of what we need to go back towards having that sort of atmosphere and an attitude around the place but I don't think that happens unless we make the right managerial appointment and I'm, I'm not entirely sure who that is and unless we we get rid of of some of the, the players there who I think have become passengers in a way and who I think aren't you know their heart isn't in it the same way as it was back under Pochettino and it's funny because I was thinking about this and I was thinking all the rumours say that we we want a manager in the mould of Pochettino but I think the sad reality is that we wouldn't hire a manager like Pochettino anymore almost because I don't think the players would respond to it I think despite the fact that these players haven't won anything at Tottenham they almost have you know they got rid of Poch they got rid of Mourinho now it seems like they almost have a certain I was saying to my dad when I was messaging him it's like we've become kind of a a budget Chelsea in that you know Chelsea you always get the impression that the players are kind of running the show and they can get rid of managers and you've got that player power but at least they have the success to go with it and it's actually a model that's that's worked for them whereas at Tottenham it seems like we're cycling through the managers but without having any of the success to go with it and I feel like we either need to get in a manager who's going to kind of break up that dressing room and be brave enough to kind of bring through the likes of Skip and Sessegnon and and do what basically Pochettino did in his first season when he got rid of the senior players and and started again or if a bunch of these players are still going to be sticking around because you can't sell them or you don't want to sell them then you need to get in a manager who's going to be able to kind of delicately manage those egos and manage that dressing room. So I'm not really sure where that leaves us in terms of the appointment. I mean, clearly Mason as an interim was, I think, with an eye to kind of just thinking, well, get one of their mates in charge and then that will keep them happy for the next few weeks. But where we go in the summer, I think will be kind of make or break going forwards. But I think I'd definitely still rather be in our shoes than yours. Um, one thing I'm curious to to know from your perspective is how important you think it is, whether it means anything about who finishes higher in the league this season. Because I, I read, I, I, I didn't watch Arteta's post interview, but I read that he'd said something about how finishing above Tottenham was something to aim towards. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how you felt about that. Because I remember when, um, under Pochettino, when we were kind of looking like we were going to finish above Arsenal for the first time in years, and he was very keen to kind of play that down and say, like, he, he didn't really care about finishing above Arsenal. All he cared about was going for our targets and kind of finishing above Arsenal would be the consequence of that rather than something to aim for in and of itself. And when we did actually finish above you for the first time in however long it was, I remember there being obviously a bit of celebration on the day, but we were going for the title at the time. And it was kind of almost a bit of a, oh, OK, we finished above Arsenal, whatever. And for these past four years, we finished above you, but it hasn't really been it's almost been a bit of an afterthought. And I'm wondering, do you think it would in any way, sal- I mean, beyond, you know, the obvious bragging rights, does it does it salvage your season if you finish above Spurs? Does that does that change anything? And, and in a way, I'm, are you surprised that Arteta 
do you think he's kind of clutching at straws to kind of find something positive to motivate the players for the season? Because it seems to me, I'm, I, I'd have thought Arteta would be someone very much in the Pochettino mould of kind of wanting to almost disregard rivals and kind of focus on yourselves. So do you think, I mean, what did you make of those comments, if that is indeed what he said? And, and how important do you think it is to, to finish above Spurs? How much do you care about that? Mm. Well, first of all, all uh, you talking about Bielsa and kind of wanting that lead-style atmosphere. I mean, Bielsa would be perfect for you because he hasn't won big trophies, so he would be fit right at home at Tottenham. Uh, walk right that into that one, huh? Um, in terms of your other questions, no. I mean, it, it, it used to just... I used to take for granted. Of course, there are bragging rights. I'd love it if we finished above Spurs. It'd be funny. But it wouldn't. it's not an achievement in itself. That's like the infamous top four trophy and I think Arteta's going to that stage when all managers are on the edge and they're you know on their last legs they start bringing out comments that just you just question and think what are you saying this for and it I think it's just damage limitation because because as a consequence you know he doesn't want to come out and say I want to get Europa conference because he knows what that would do so I think the fans would just prefer him to say finish rough spurs a bit more enjoyable um and that would be it. Would be seventh. That would that that is what it would be. Seventh place would be finishing above Spurs, um, and as a consequence, uh, Europa Conference. But no, it's it's impression management. Is trying to gain some sort of capital with the fans. It's not working with me. Um, I don't. Even, I barely listen to him. I barely watch the last two games. Um, I, I just don't care. I don't want Europa Conference. It will paper the cracks. I want Arsenal now. I don't want Arsenal to lose ever. Of course. But I want Arsenal to have that impact to say, whoa, we finished out of Europe. This is a direct cause-effect relationship with this young amateur manager, with this board system around him, with these sort of players around. There needs to be a catalyst for change. Otherwise, I feel that there'll be excuses of trying to treat it like the equivalent of being in Europa League and nothing really will change. I, I think we need a season out of Europe like teams before us have had. You know, you focus on the domestic trophies for your youth and reserve team and your Premier League, you bloody well go for it. Um, that's my view on it personally. I think it's, I don't think there's any prestige in winning it because it, the sounds of the calibre of teams, it, it sounds like, I don't even know what it sounds like winning the Audi Cup um, in a pre-season trophy. And Audi Cup is a prestigious trophy, I'll have you know. For some teams. Um, and, yeah, I mean... You know, you, if you win it, you go into the Europa League. I mean, what is the point, honestly? We're good enough to get sixth place next year. I can almost, I can't guarantee it, but I know we are, with a bit of strengthening. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you have similar thoughts on that. I just think, what's the point? It's not exciting. There's nothing to play for, really. We won't win those last two games. Because as soon as there's any sort of pressure on the line, um, this team bottle it. And uh, our captain went AWOL yesterday. doesn't seem to want to know. Um, team's a mess. He's playing players who are leaving in the summer, um, not trying out the young players that have signed new contracts. Um, writing's on the wall. Yeah, I mean, certainly from from our perspective, I I don't want Europa Conference League either. I mean, part of me thinks it might be quite funny. And ever since it was announced, I thought I guarantee we're going to end up in that tournament. But I think definitely, yeah, you want the uh, the shock of, of being out of Europe to, to focus minds at the club and you want those those midweeks back during the season next season which could be a big competitive advantage in in the league so it seems like 
neither of us want Europa Conference League, but neither of us wants to finish behind the other. So I guess in a way, it's the the battle for eighth place. That, that's what we're competing for. We're competing to not qualify for Europe, but also not finish behind the others. So I don't know how much that will excite us going into these final few weeks of the season. I mean, it, it's become quite an underwhelming end of the season, I think, not just for our clubs, but the title race has already decided. All three relegation spots already decided. It is just the European race and and one of those European spots it seems like nobody wants. So I guess it's all it's all just the top four. I mean, you you influenced that top four race in quite a big way by pulling off that win against Chelsea, albeit a very fortunate goal. I mean, I'm by what the sounds of it from what you've been saying, that that hasn't though changed in any way your opinion. I mean, I guess it was the wrong you'd have much rather won that game against Villarreal than, than have won that game against Chelsea, I'm guessing. Absolutely. I mean, it's so frustrating. So frustrating. And, you know, there are some fans who are saying, oh, we need to celebrate a big win against a big team. They don't care. They know they're probably going to get fourth. But, you know, in the Champions League final, they're probably going to win the FA Cup. They don't care, honestly. I mean, I mean, why now? Why? When that, when the whole point of being top competitive Premier League footballer is that you can do it when it's tense and when the pressure's on. That's the point. That's why you're at the top level. That's why you're earning the high wages. If you want to stroll about and try and, and beat teams in a friendly kind of manner, go and play on, on the weekends. Well, they are playing on the weekends, but you know what I mean, on, on a Sunday league. I don't... It's just that it doesn't help me. It doesn't help the fans. It, it, I was more annoyed. And that sounds weird to say. Again, I don't want the team to lose, but I was more annoyed to see them grind it out. I would have rather seen that against Villarreal when it matters. I would have rather seen this run of form when it mattered. And we could because this year we could have easily been in a top four race with a few of these stupid drop points. You know, and, and right now these are dead rubber games and you should be playing these young players. You should be landing on what is my best back four if I know fine, rotate my right back if I know that he's going and I need to buy Max Aaron's or Tarek Lamptey, fine. Play Matt Ryan. Leno what's out. Get rid. I don't care. What's he loyal to anymore? He has screwed us over. If he's been the one who decided to, to who's decided to stay over Martinez, I don't want him near the club at the moment. I don't want him playing. Elmene's leaving. Why are you playing him? Bamiyang clearly doesn't want to be here. Why are you playing him? Go and put Balogun up front. Go and start Martinelli. It, it's it's enough now of these silly, silly, stupid decisions. Nelson hasn't got a run in this year. I don't know the strategy. I don't know the strategy. Is it young players, old players, or is it is it ticker tacker? Is it is it punt and hoof? There is no identity anymore. There is no. We're not Sid Man City light. We're not Vengable 2.0. There is no Arteta identity. I thought it was coming, but then it almost looked like that was a fluke. And this is the real Arteta. And him trying to claim that there's progress and you know things have gone on behind the scenes. I, I don't want to know because clearly it's not great. If you've got stories coming out of unhappy players and you've got Aubameyang 80 minutes coming up when you're 1-0 um, up and making a show in front of everyone, your star captain, you know there's problems behind the scenes. I don't understand how he's still in a job, Arteta. Um, and I, and I, I certainly don't know how any of them in, the, in that kind of executive team level have have earned the right to rebuild this team this summer because all they've shown is is 
agents and contacts scouting and signing. And now we're left with Willian, Pepe and David Luiz and Cedric and all these high wages. And they'll all be gone in two years. They won't care. They're not going to go down as Arsenal legends. People won't remember they played for Arsenal. Um, we'll be left to pick up the pieces. You know, we lost Snabry because we were just loyal to the Jovinios and the Chamaks of the world. And now, look, it, I mean, that, that's what happens. It, it's it's stubbornness. And in a way, it's 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 kind of naive. And, you know, you didn't expect it from Wenger. But would you expect it from someone in their first job? Yeah, you do. You do expect it. And there aren't people putting him into check. You know, he's, with all due respect, Steve Round is number two, was the one who helped out Moisey when he got sacked at United. Doesn't inspire me with confidence. He's always in his ear. I don't know. I know where he's influencing Arteta, whether he's actually the manager, whether he's ruling the roost. But it, but it, it's... It just seems like a big waste of time, these Premier League fixtures. I'd rather have just seen players develop, um, not seeing Saka at left back for, for no reason when he should have done that in the in the Europa League. I mean, it, it, it's an insult. For me, it's an insult. And that's why I'm on this. I'm not on a boycott, but I am semi. I'm not asked. I'm just not asked. And, you know, I'm getting more joy out of seeing Spurs. Falter. I mean, that was hilarious against Leeds. But, not, uh, not asked for Arsenal. Not asked for Arsenal. But I guess, I don't know, we, when you were watching that Leeds game, you were thinking, oh, come on, we can, we can get forth still. We can, we can do something. I mean, would, wouldn't you rather be in Europa League than Europa Conference? Are you, are you in that mindset as well, like me, just to season out and, and uh, catalyst for change? Because I've seen, I've seen this Tottenham supporters group. There's, I don't really understand the story, but they're, they're really up against the club now, and I think more more so than any of the other fan groups. I mean, it seems like everyone's trying to forget about what happened in the Super League, that Spurs fans supporters are, are going for it. Do, do you think uh, there needs to be a shock to the, to the system for change? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is with the Europa League is that ordinarily I'd say, yeah, let, let, let's go for the Europa League. But having just had the season we've had, I mean, the Europa League, when we're in it, we always end up, going through all the hassle of the group stage only to then go out in embarrassing circumstances in the knockout stages. So you think, well, is it really worth it? Would that time not be better spent, as, as we've already said, kind of focusing on the league? So my kind of appetite for, for European football outside of the Champions League is, yeah, I mean, obviously the Europa League is still achievable and, and you should kind of want to finish as high as you can and, and be in the most the biggest tournament that you can qualify for. And obviously financially, it's good for the club and all the rest of it. But it's hard to get excited about it, given the Europa League campaign we had this year. And in terms of the yeah the, the fans in the club, I mean, I think you, you see it across all the... I think actually Spurs, Arsenal and United seem to be the, the ones where there's been the biggest fallout. Chelsea and City fans obviously don't want to turn on the ownership because they know without those owners, they wouldn't be where they are now. Uh, without Abramovich and without, uh, you know, Sheikh Mansour and everything, City and Chelsea... That, they've been bankrolled by that. So they're not going to turn on their owners in the same way. But I think what's interesting is how the Super League, you know, United fans, Spurs fans, Arsenal fans had issues with the ownership before this. And this has almost kind of been a catalyst now to really focus minds. And I think there's certainly been a, a, a breakdown 
in the relationship between the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust and the club who used to have quite a um I don't know if close is the right word but cooperative relationship with one another and I think there's a lot of hurt at how they've essentially been lied to because behind the scenes all these clubs were working on the Super League and, and not letting fans in and, and Spurs have announced that they're going to have a kind of fan representation on the board but they haven't fully said how it will work how it will be decided um, and within that statement they kind of criticized the the, the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust because they have been refusing to meet with the board unless they agree to certain conditions and essentially the supporters trust want the board to resign they want a new board in place which you know how realistic or reasonable you think that demand is it I, it represents I think the anger that the, the fan base feel towards those running the club not just over the Super League debacle but I think also you know I've said it many a times on on this podcast the number of managers Daniel Levy's gone through uh, the lack, the, the relative lack of investment in the team. I mean, we have spent money on players, but I think obviously we, we went through that stretch without signing anyone. Our net spend relative, not just to teams in the top six, but relative to most other teams in the Premier League is is quite low. And I think there's a bit of a, a sense that the club is kind of wasting the gains that we made under, under Pochettino. I mean, the Pochettino years were very much the exception under... Enoch and Levy and I feel like now we're we're definitely drifting back towards that where we were maybe at best the kind of fifth sixth seventh best team in the league that's around where we'd finish a good season would be breaking into the top four and going on a cup run a bad season would be kind of mid-table or or lower down the table and I feel like we're we're kind of back there now and I think it's going to be tough for that's why I think it's such a huge decision now, the manager and, and what they do in the summer, because it's not going to get any easier to finish in the top four with with City having won another title, maybe back to win the Champions League now. Chelsea are looking like they're getting back to their best. United, even under Solskjaer, who we've all had our doubts about, have still managed to maintain a certain level, still got a lot of money, still a huge draw. You know, Leicester, the progress they're making. So... Yeah, I think definitely there is a real appetite for for change. How that represents itself in terms of protests, I don't think we're going to see the sort of scenes that we've had at Old Trafford and Man United and games being called off. I mean, who knows? But there's definitely a lot of ang- anger towards the board. And that's why I think the pressure's on this summer for them to rebuild that relationship with the fan base and, and give fans, a, you know, because the thing is all the cl- all clubs in the Premier League need to give fans a reason to go back. I think a lot of them kind of arrogantly assume that fans will be so desperate to go back to the stadiums because they've been without football for so long. But people, you know, match going fans now have had a long time not going to matches, probably saved a lot of money by not going to matches, have got used to it and will need to be tempted to go back into stadiums. They'll need to think that there's something to actually get behind and, and enjoy. So not just for Spurs, but I think similarly for Arsenal. Obviously, you had protests and calls for a change in ownership. I think the top six clubs are under a lot of pressure to to prove to their fans that they're still worth the expense of, of going to games and, and worth worth their support. So it's going to be an interesting summer. I don't know whether, kind of throwing it back to you and Arsenal, whether you think it's a similar sort of situation. Do you think Arsenal fans will be be happy to come back next season if it's still Arteta in charge and there hasn't been a lot of 
business over the summer? I mean, what do you expect to happen over the summer? What's the kind of the situation there? Yeah, I mean, I think there will be a natural resistance based on kind of on the health effects of COVID and, you know, the financial impact on a lot of people. You know, there will there will be that. There'll also be, you know, younger fans who are growing up and want to see the football again. And, you know, so that levels out. But also, yeah, based on the performances, you're not getting it. We weren't getting a 60,000 capacity stadium when we were playing in the Champions League. So let alone playing in Conference League or nothing. I mean, I don't think it will all start to level itself out with, you know, people who just want to go back to football again. But I think you're going to be able to start getting tickets on general sale, which we haven't been able to do for years. I mean, I know people who have just given it up that they're a season ticket. They said, screw it. What's the point? Don't enjoy it. See rubbish. Exhausting to get to. They'd rather sit and watch it on TV. And I wonder what the broadcasters are going to do. I know that the deal came out today. It's all kind of the same terms, the new kickoff time. I wonder whether, how much they'll be showing, especially, you just don't know. I mean, in the winter, we could easily be going back into into some sort of restrictions um, based on variants and whatnot. I mean, I don't want to speculate or, or be too Debbie Downer on it, but, you know, you, you, you could see it happening. So, so who knows? But I think from my perspective, I'm not planning to go to the Emirates anytime soon, maybe for a League Cup game as a laugh for, with a friend. But no, I mean, I'm not. Uh, there's certainly nothing there that's convinced me. I, I think as soon as fans, I think almost it's been better for Arsenal not having fans because none of these players or Arteta would have stood a chance um, if there were fans calling, their, calling for their heads. And that's why, you know, Arteta's on thin ice. As soon as they lose three in a row and we're at home, writing's on the wall, isn't it? I mean, that's ultimately what ruined Emery. And I think, I don't know what it's going to take. I would change my tune if in the summer, I mean, I remember we did the keep or sell the other day, or loan, and if that all went through, we really we really went for it. I mean, think about first team, you get rid of your goalkeeper, Leno, right back, Bellerin, you go and get rid of David Louise and bring in Saliba or a proper centre-back. Get rid of Shaka and bring in a new centre mid. You keep that front three of Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, maybe Pepe in the front four, and maybe you go buy someone exciting. Um, you know, if you buy Max Aaron's, Nick Pope, uh, Bissouma, and oh, I don't know Ivan Tony, then I then you know what I can get on board. I can get on board. Exciting young team. See what the I see what's going on here. We're going to give it another go. You know, the worst case scenario is you can sell all these players for big prices, and at least we gave it a go. But then if we have to watch some of this dross again, I mean, I'm not I'm not paying my, my good money. I sold all my Arsenal kits last summer. Couldn't be bothered. I just couldn't be bothered. I had them all there. I'm like, what's the point? Wasted value in there. You know, that's well, something probably- about sport merchandise, but. Uh, can't be asked, you know. I don't, I don't. I don't wear an Arsenal shirt anymore for games because it's like an unlucky omen. I'm uh, my, the, the kind of merchandise and things I've got out of my room now is is starting to get limited. You know, I'm I was falling out of love with football and Arsenal. You know, at the end of the Wenger days, and Emery brought some life to it at the beginning, and then it got a bit pathetic. Arteta certainly last year, I was really feeling it change. Was loving the stability, and and now I'm back at that kind of end of the Wenger years, a bit like, well, where do we go from here? And I don't know whether it's a board level thing, you know, 
have a strategic vision and and plan just show us where we're going to go we we would be happy if you said listen we're not going to don't say we're going to compete for the champions league in two years say we're, we're in transition we're probably going to fall out of europe it's it's a, it's going to be tough but this is where we're planning to take you and it and it's it's all about that in life expectations that's you know even in in um in psychology, we, we learn, you know, that that's what makes people have um, or contributes to poor mental health. But when you, when you have these high expectations, and they they fall alongside and, and these kind of magnified thinking errors. So, yeah, I think it's all about expectations at the end of the day and outlining a vision. Um, and that's where communication comes into play. And Arteta certainly um, has not come across, I think, as 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 the key guy in this and i guess uh, flipping the same question to you i mean this summer what appeases you where do you go i mean obviously sounds like we've got our managers uh, sorted even though it might not be the right decision but at least we have that stability i mean for spurs it seems like everything every position almost to the manager to to fans wanting to go back i mean it's just all up for grabs isn't it it is, and I mean, ha- having this conversation about kind of going back, I've, me and my dad did actually renew our season tickets um, about an hour or so ago, earlier this evening, but we left it pretty, I mean, to be fair, the deadline isn't until the 3rd of June, but I mean, the, the renewals have been open for quite a while, and we'd, we'd left it quite a while, and I, and I get the sense, based on how many reminder emails they sent us at least, that a lot of fans, and I've seen this on Twitter as well, a lot of fans seem to be waiting to see almost who the manager is going to be before they decide whether or not to renew their season tickets. I mean, you don't know whether it's all just people talking and when push comes to shove, they'll renew. But I, you know, almost every day I see when a different managers linked, I see people going, oh, if, if so-and-so's manager, you know, if Gal Southgate's manager, that's it, I'm not renewing my season ticket. If Roberto Martinez is manager, I'm not renewing my season ticket. And it seems like a lot of people are kind of holding out and waiting to see what direction the club's going in before they they commit and I think there is that reluctance and, and that lack of enthusiasm um, certainly me and my dad were very because I mean the, the season ticket renewals came out around the same time as the Super League announcement and when Jose was sacked and it was very much a sense of like you know what what are we going back to um, but yeah it is definitely up in the air and I think that's why the manager appointment is is so huge because it could genuinely affect how many fans bother to come back next season if it's not a very inspiring name that being said you know the inspire you know Mourinho is someone who's maybe his football is not the most entertaining but it's considered box office sometimes the big the biggest names aren't actually the best managers obviously Pochettino wasn't a big name when we appointed him but I think what you're saying about expectations is is quite key actually because I, I was saying earlier about how I feel like we've almost gone back to the pre-Poch days in terms of where we stand in the league and I feel like I'm definitely trying to adjust my expectations for Spurs going into next season as a way to kind of guard against that disappointment and disillusionment and kind of just get back to enjoying. I think I said it earlier this season about how I wanted to kind of be a more mindful fan and just take it game by game and and enjoy the moment and not get too wrapped up in all the other stuff. But having Mourinho as manager made it quite hard to sustain that. But I kind of almost want to get back to what it was like back in the Martin Yol days when I first started following Spurs where, and I guess this is just a product of, of, you know, not being on social media all the time back then, but just enjoying match by match and not getting caught up in all this 
you know, what have you won? What haven't you won? Silverware, all the kind of soap opera and sideshows that go along with it and just get back to enjoying the game itself and the sport and, and enjoying each match as it comes. And it seems like particularly at Spurs, so much has been caught up in ending this trophy drought. And it seems like it's almost like we can't enjoy anything until we've lifted that trophy and anything else doesn't mean anything unless it, it, there's a piece of silverware at the end of it. And it's kind of, it's almost sucks the joy. You know, people, I think yourself included at times, couldn't understand why we were so happy under Pochettino when we weren't winning things. But I think it was that genuine sense of we were enjoying the football. It felt like we were progressing. You know, we, we, we were enjoying ourselves and we felt identified to the team. And I feel like that's definitely been been lost, that connection to the team and that enjoyment of just watching the team. And so I think that more than anything else is what I want to see come back. And if a trophy comes at the end of it as a result of the football you play, great. But having the trophy be the main thing ahead of the football and ahead of your enjoyment, I think has kind of contributed to this sense of of drift and almost kind of toxic atmosphere around the club. So, you know, I, I honestly don't know which manager will... I, I, to be honest, I don't think there's any managerial appointment that would please everyone probably Brendan Rodgers is the closest but that's probably not going to happen any other name that's been linked to the job I think will be a divisive appointment and I think they'll have a big job on their hands to convince the fan base that they're the right man for the job it seems like we really did put so much in Nagelsmann that that once that went it almost seems to have thrown the club a bit and and maybe we're going to make a push for Rodgers but I think we're going to either end up with my gut feeling at the moment is we're either going to end up with Graham Potter or Roberto Martinez. Uh. That is where I think we're heading. And you know what? Graham Potter, I'd be very happy with. I think after Brendan Rodgers, he's the next best attainable manager in the league. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to get Pep or, or Klopp or Tuchel. And I think Potter, the way Brighton play football what he's done there, I think he would do a very good job at Tottenham. But I know there's a lot of Spurs fans who would be underwhelmed by that, even though I think he's maybe the closest we could get to in, in, in the Pochettino mould. Obviously, Hassan Hootel is the one who plays the high-press football and is at Southampton. But in terms of the young, promising up-and-coming coach, I think Potter is the closest to where Pochettino was when we first hired him. Roberto Martinez, I think, would be... Um, I'll, I'll save that for if it happens because Let's see, he's a, Belgian, Belgian boss number one in the world internationally apparently so well and I mean Roberto Martinez you I, I could easily spin a positive uh you know argument in his defense if I had to but I think I'm going to save that <laughs> until he's appointed because uh I think I'll need I'll need <laughs> the energy for that but that's definitely one where I think fans would be very because his name keeps on cropping up and apparently the club are, and he seems to be making a real big push for the job as well um i heard the same with arsenal before arteta oh with, with roberto martinez roberto martinez it could just be one of those names that just do the rounds and add an alan kerbishly if you like well i mean yeah let, let, let's bring him back i mean i think if if fulham had Stay. I mean, look, maybe Scott Parker will still get the job, but I think the Fulham relegations probably um, put that one away for a while. I mean, I hear some. I mean, Glenn Hoddle at BT before the Leeds game was talking about Steven Gerrard, which I feel like Ooh. if he wasn't, you know, if he didn't have the Liverpool connections, I'd be open to that based on the job he's done at Rangers. But you don't want, 
you know, you just know the minute the Liverpool job becomes available, he's yeah. gone. And even when he's there, it's like, is his heart really going to be in it? I feel like he, he only ever wants to manage Liverpool and that's it. I mean, as long as we don't hire Frank Lampard, I don't really mind. It's you know, the same thing with Lampard, isn't it? It's like you just can't, if, if Stoles went into management, you just can't see it. Like, why? Like, it doesn't work. Thierry Henry can't go manage Crystal Palace. He's gone and, you know, he's scored against a million times. It just doesn't work for me. No. And yeah, so, yeah, I really don't know with the manager thing. It's going to be, because every name that's been linked it seems like every day a different manager is linked. And I feel like every manager in the world at some point has been linked to the Spurs job and each one of them has then been dismissed by a different journalist. So I've no idea really where we stand. And you, you mentioned uh, Inzaghi earlier, which came out of nowhere as the bookie's favourite, which... Rogan Inzaghi. I mean, if he... if I can just picture him on a list of... You know when, when people list all the managers Spurs have had under Levy who've been sacked in the past, like oh Ramos, <laughs> AVB, Inzaghi. You know, his name just perfectly fits on a list of sacked, failed managers at Spurs alongside Ramos and AVB. I feel like if we... I mean, I... Martin, yo, like, yo. I mean, it, to be fair, it seems like he's done a good job at Lazio. I'm sure he's a good manager, but it's like, really? Like, if we go for him, then... Because I do remember him being linked to the job when Poch was sacked. So again, that's something that hasn't come out of nowhere. But or maybe where's, uh, where's Jurgen Klinsmann? Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, there was. Um, I would have been happy to have him as an interim to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, what, I, I'm pretty sure after the Zagreb game, I was thinking, do you know what? If they announced tomorrow that Mourinho sacked and it's Klinsmann to the end of the season, I could get behind that. I mean, he's more experienced than Mason and it's basically doing the same thing of, oh, look, we've got a former player here to, you know, make you feel better about yourselves while we're in decline. Um, but At least I he's managed. <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. But I think I feel like he's um, he's probably finished now. Mm. Um, yeah, I, do, mm, I don't know. I feel like he might just... I mean, where do you go after winning the World Cup? Like, I feel like he might just... I don't know. I feel like international managers make me feel a bit uneasy just because they're so... You often find the best international managers don't do well at club level and vice versa. Like Capello was one of the best club managers of all time, but he did terribly with England. Whereas Gareth Southgate, who didn't do you know, his club career, what was Middlesbrough and that's it. And yet he's done a decent job with England. I feel like they're two very different styles because of the time you have with the players and, and the difference between tournament football and league football. Same Scolari with uh, was it Brazil, and then uh, Chelsea. Yeah, and then Chelsea. I don't know what he was doing. I think he took the Portugal job, didn't do great there, but you know he won the World Cup at least. You you just don't. Yeah, you're right. You don't see that dual approach really at all. I think it's different personalities in it. It's a bit like uh, in different jobs, whether you go agency or in house. It's the same kind of thing. Some people just have a preference. Some some don't really mind and. Uh, yeah, I get what you mean. So, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the betting odds don't say much because, you know, it changes every five seconds nowadays. I think, it's, I think it's pure speculation. Do you think there's any chance Ryan Mason gets the job permanently? No, not after the Leeds game. I think genuinely, if he had won all his remaining games and finished top four, I think he probably would have got the job. But I think the Leeds game kind of showed his naivety and inexperience and I think would have put to bed any lingering possibility that he might get the job I think in the future it wouldn't surprise me if he was Spurs manager again full-time at some point in the future once he's gone off and got some more experience but 
I don't think he gets it full time now, particularly not if we don't qualify for kind of any European football. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. not qualifying for European football would be a big thing for Spurs, you know, after all the progress they've made for so long. And I guess I want to reflect a little bit and ask about your your height. Do you have one highlight and one low light from this season so far? I mean, I don't think anything exciting is happening the next couple of weeks. I mean, was there something that sticks out or is it just a complete disaster from start to finish? I guess that that brief period where we were top of the league, when we beat City, beat Arsenal, drew away at Chelsea and genuinely it felt like we were going to go on a title challenge was... Quite, and that and that six one win at Old Trafford as well was quite fun, but then it all fell apart after that. And since then, it's just kind of been one long, miserable slog of a season. Really, I don't know how about you. I think ours just comes straight from the Europa League. I think after that Slavia Prague game when we drew one all in the quarters, and then we came out fighting for that second leg, and we were like three up by half time or whatever it was. That was amazing. That was like right. We've come up to play. We know what we've got to do, and we're going to win this whole thing. Um, and in the second round, that um, I think probably I think funny enough, the first leg was more upsetting for me when when they score like in five minutes. I thought, just come on, like come on, guys, honestly, wake up. Um, and that drab nil nil. So yeah, Emery slayed us to our to our worst moment of the season. But the sad part is, I almost feel like. The worst is yet to come if we scrape into if we win the next two games and scrape into seventh place. That will almost be like, you know, someone said earlier today, um, it would almost be a representative of where Arsenal are at getting in that conference league. That would be like this is Arsenal's season in a nutshell. <laughs> well, it's it's all to all to play for by not playing for it then between now and the end of the season. We'll see who wins by missing out on that Europa Conference League spot. Absolutely. I mean, we seem to have very common things, uh, a lot in common, Spurs and Arsenal at the moment. It, it, may, it reminds me of something. I, I, if you won't mind, I'm actually reading a book um, called Think Again by the organisational psychologist Adam Grant. And um, they do great experiments that he talks about. And it's actually one about, about football fans. And he says, there's an evidence that common identity can build bridges between rival fans. In one experiment, psychologists randomly assigned Manchester United soccer fans a short writing task. They then staged an emergency in which a passing runner slipped and fell, screaming in pain as he held his ankle. He was wearing the t-shirt of their biggest rival, and the question was whether they would stop to help him. If the soccer fans had just written about why they loved their team, only 30% helped. If they had written about what they had in common with other soccer team fans, 70% helped. So now we've uh, now we've spoken about the the commonalities of of Arsenal and Tottenham's pain together. Um, I'm more likely to help you if you slipped when running. There you go. That's nice. That's a nice thought that we're. But not if you're in a bail shirt. That's that's unacceptable to me. <laughs> I'll make sure I don't wear my bail shirt then when I go out running. Absolutely. Speaking of Bale, we can't we can't uh, can't leave without just having quick mention. I mean, like I swear, a couple of months ago on this call, you were like, "What's the point of Bale?" Like, like he's sitting on the bench doing nothing. Scores one hat trick against a relegated Sheffield United, and the fans are like, "Sign him another year. 
give him the captaincy armband. Let's build the team around Bale. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing that you're, you're, you're building a team around Bale again, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, a step backwards in the sense that it shows we never really replaced him when we sold him. I think the most embarrassing stat is that he's now, I think, scored more goals this season than Eric Lamella since 2013 when he replaced him or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I think with Bale, it's more like even if he's only going to score goals against teams of the calibre of Sheffield United, that's still worth quite a few points a season. If you have a, And he's still got the ability, he's still got the quality, he can still pop up with goals. And I think you'd struggle, to be honest, in this market, or maybe not with COVID, but it's hard to buy players who are a reliable source of goals like that and who can regular I mean his his goal per game ratio this season is is I think the highest in the league and I think if you had him next year again on loan for a full season with a manager who would actually play him and he can regularly help us kind of swat aside the 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 teams lower down in the table then that's that's useful you know regardless of of how old he is or or the rest of the team so even though he he didn't play well against Leeds, and I think definitely against teams like Leeds, you can see how his fitness isn't what it used to be. Uh, I'd still, I'd still definitely have Bale for another season. There you go, Michael has spoken. <laughs> Long live Gareth Bale. 